Hello everybody, welcome to a new episode of The Dissenter. I'm your host as always, Ricardo Lopes, and today I'm joined by Dr. Paul van Geert. He is Professor Emeritus of Developmental Psychology at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands. He is renowned for his work on developmental psychology and the application of dynamical systems theory in social science. And today we're talking about uh, topics like dynamical systems theory, developmental psychology, causality in psychology, uh, process ontology, language development, theory of mind development, and other related topics. So, Paul, welcome to the show. It's a big pleasure to everyone. Thank you. It's a pleasure for me. <laughs> so, let's perhaps start with the very basics here, because I would like for the audience to understand the sort of framework you apply in your work. So what is dynamical systems theory? Well, you, you can, you can uh, define it in a, in a relatively technical or general way. And then it is defined as a way of describing how one state of a system changes into another state over the course of time. So, but then it means that you, you have to de know what a state is. And to know what a state is, you usually talk about the state space, which is the space of all possible states of a system. For instance, if you think about a child learning language, you, you, you might say, well, let's, let's call the state space the number of words it, it can use, which is an extremely simple uh, state space. Or uh, if you are a Piagetian, uh, you, you might have the state space of, let's say, four qualitative differences. Uh, you know, the, the, the typical stages of, of Piaget's uh, theory. Uh, so once you have uh, an idea of what your descriptive uh, uh, space uh, will be to describe the system, like a child or, or a family or, or whatever else, then you can start uh, thinking about the sort of, of, of principles or rules that drive the system or move the system from one state to another. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, what is it that drives this, uh, the, the, the system of, of, of vocabulary in a child, for instance? My very first very simple example, what drives that system from uh, adding one word to the vocabulary? Or if you are a Piagetian, you can ask what drives the system from one qualitative uh, uh, state of, of cognitive, uh, um, uh, of, of thinking, of, of acting uh, into another state. So, so you need some sort of rule or principle to explain how the system uh, moves in its uh, uh, state space, which is just a way of describing all the possibilities of the, of the system. Mm -hmm. And how do you apply dynamical systems theory specifically to the study of developmental psychology? Well, you see, uh, uh, dynamic systems theory is, is a, a very well-developed uh, uh, branch of mathematics, and it's, mm. it's, it's, it's extremely abstract. And uh, I'm, I'm not asking uh, people or I'm not asking myself to, to, to apply all the, these very abstract uh, um, mathematical principles. Um, so, but, but the way you, you actually apply it to development is to ask yourself, uh, look, here's, a, here's a, a child or a person or a family, and I want to, to study that family or that child from the viewpoint of development. What are the properties? descriptive properties that I need to, to adequately uh, describe uh, uh, that system mm -hmm. and the way it changes over time. And um, then you have to ask yourself, uh, am I interested in, in a combination of, of properties? Or am I interested in one particular property? Am I interested in, 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 in different states? For instance, you you, you can you can study the uh, the communication between a, a child and a parent, a young child and a parent, and then take um, uh, um, uh, let's say the space of uh, emotional expressions they can they can show as your state space. So there's an example of of, uh, of a discrete state space. But the first thing you have to ask yourself is how do I describe this? system, this, this, this person, this, this relationship between persons from a developmental uh, point of view. That's the first thing. 
And then the other thing you have to ask yourself if you apply to development is uh, what are the, the principles of change? I mean, are they, they different all the time from moment to moment? So there, there is no fixed, let's say, principle or rule, or is there, there, there one master rule governing all the changes in the system? For instance, if, if you take uh, the classical example of Piaget, um, uh, he had this idea that it, it was always a matter of something that he called uh, equilibration, and that consisted of assimilation, so let's say incorporating the new information into, your, into whatever you know or you can do, and accommodation, which means the principle of changing in relation to the way you have assimilated that uh, new information. So in Piaget, there's an example of a very strict uh, rule of change, but in most uh, developmental theories, the changes are, are highly uh, randomized. They, they are sometimes uh, unpredictable. They are sometimes very complex. But, but you're, you're obliged to, to think about uh, the principles that govern the change over time. And that's how, basically how you can, you can, you can understand uh, development in terms of a dynamic system. But in this particular case, uh, someone that comes from a different point of view in psychology, for example, could ask you, okay, so what you said is all great, but um, how do you prove what's the evidence for psychology, particularly human psychology, being a dynamic system? Yeah. Well, my, my first reaction uh, uh, would be, uh, how, how can it be anything else but a dynamic system? That is to say, we are dealing with, uh, with uh, things that are, are under constant uh, change. For instance, the, the, the discussion we have is, is an example of a process of things constantly changing over time. Um, if, if you look at a person uh, in a family, for instance, or, or at work, what you see is a process of constant uh, changes. Uh, uh, activity is an example of constant uh, changes. You do something, then you do something else. Uh, you might come back to what, what you started with and so on. So, so in psychology, we are by definition uh, dealing with uh, um, uh, things that are in, in constant uh, change. Um, in psychology, we are by definition uh, dealing with things that we have to described from a particular perspective of, of, of specific properties. Now, in, in psychology, these are typically called variables. Mm -hmm. uh, but then my, my um, uh, additional point would be that uh, if, if you study these variables, you have to study them uh, where and how they occur. And what uh, psychologists are used to do is that they um, take big samples of independent uh, subjects and then they treat the variables as if they were sort of independent things that you can deal with, uh, independent of the way they are embodied or realized in real person over time. Mm -hmm. So if you think that's, that's feasible, let's say the, the general linear model of, of variables of psychology, then okay, I mean, my point is go on. Uh, but um, but it's much more interesting if you really want to understand what psychology is about to study the the, the actual processes, the sequences of change that behavior and activity actually embody, and then you have to to start with uh, uh, the, the let's say the level of analysis where these processes occur, which is an individual subject or individual people uh, uh, interacting with other individual people. So in short, uh, uh, my answer is what, what could it be else than uh, a dynamic system? Mm -hmm. uh, and since you mentioned there uh, uh, levels of analysis, I mean, mm -hmm. I have a question for later on in our discussion, but I will introduce it here. So uh, to what extent does the discussion surrounding levels of analysis play a role in your approach? I mean, how do you look, for example, at different levels of analysis from the cellular to the organismic to the social and so on? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'd say that in, uh, in, in real persons, uh, all these levels of analysis are, are, are intertwined. They are entangled. They are formed one big 
very complex unity of interactions and, and, and change. Uh, but from the viewpoint of somebody who wants to understand it, uh, you are, because what we are basically trying to, to do is to simplify this, this incredibly complex uh, 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 universe that we are dealing with. So one of the ways in which you can simplify it is by defining levels of analysis. For instance, if, if you look at an interaction between a child and a parent, uh, you, can, you can say, well, what we take as, as the level of analysis is, is, are these two persons. There's a child and there's the, there's the, the adult. Uh, but of course, in reality, what happens there is that all the levels of analysis are, are, are operating at the same time. In, in the child, in the adult, uh, things are operating on the level of, of neurons, of, of bodily reactions. Uh, they are operating on the level of, uh, of, of, of social interactions, but they are also operating on the level of, of much higher social systems uh, because they are, they are made possible by the fact that uh, there are these uh, social structures and economical structures that make this, this kind of, of living and interaction possible. Mm -hmm. So uh, choosing um, uh, levels of analysis is a way of, of trying to, to, to get a grip on on this incredibly complex reality. But it is very important to realize that these, these levels of analysis uh, are basically, uh, let's say, epistemological uh, things. You, you, you choose them because they allow you to, 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 to get a grip on, to manipulate, so to speak, uh, that what you're interested in. But you should always be uh, uh, um, uh, conscious about the fact that these levels of analysis are, are just relational, mm -hmm. uh, temporary ways of, of interacting with that which you're interested in. And that levels of analysis imply other uh, underlying and, and let's say, uh, 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 overarching uh, levels. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that, of course, people want to try a good understanding of in psychology, theoretical psychology, is causality. What causes yeah. a particular behavior, for example. Um, does your approach change the way we understand causality in comparison to other more traditional approaches in psychology? Yeah, I think so. Um... Because if, if, if you follow a dynamic systems uh, point of view or complex dynamic systems uh, point of view, your, your basic ontology, uh, let me say, so your, your basic uh, view of the nature of the world is fundamentally processual. So you see the world as, 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 as a system of interacting processes, not as, as a system of interacting substances of fixed units. So it's it's uh, it's a processual uh, um, uh, uh, point of view. Now, if you deal with the processual uh, point of view, you have to ask uh, yourself, what is it that uh, causes uh, this particular state of the process? Mm -hmm. Then the answer from dynamic systems is it's basically the the preceding state, or the history of the system. So, so uh, then you, you, you are at the level of, of processual causality. So the, the, the next, which is also the definition of a dynamic system, the, the next state of the system is explained on the basis of the preceding state or states. And that's, um, that's um, a form of causality that uh, most uh, psychologists find um, uh, uh, trivial, uninteresting. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, but in reality, I think it's uh, it's 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 a major uh, form of causality, this processual causality. But what uh, so, uh, let's say mainstream, it's not a very friendly word. Uh, psychologists are, are are used to calling um, uh, uh, causality is is what philosophers uh, have, have called um, uh, uh, intervention causality or manipulation causality. Which means that um, well, the, the, there is a process, there is an ongoing process, and um, you can you can you can sort of intervene in the process by doing something. Right. This, this is let's say the 
the, 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 the current view on, on causality as, 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 a, as a sort of directed graph with, with what the intervener is doing as, as, as the cause. And why is it uh, defined as, as the cause? Because what you're doing is changing the process in comparison with what it would do if you would not make your intervention. And that's that's the sort of causality that we are used to to think about. But it's uh, philosophically speaking, it's it's basically one uh, a highly pragmatically um, uh, inspired uh, definition of causality. Namely, if I do something in a process that is going on anyway, uh, what will change in comparison to what it what would happen if I didn't do that? And then. If, if you think about um, uh, one of the major uh, applications of uh, causality in, in psychology is, is the, the causality of, of typical interventions in the literal sense of the word. Mm-hmm. For instance, there's a, a family, there are difficulties in the family, or the child does not develop uh, as, as, as wanted. And then there's some external influence, for instance, a psychologist who intervenes with um, with an intervention program, for instance, uh, additional uh, cognitive um, uh, experiences, uh, exercises, and so on. And then um, uh, what you try to, 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 to find then is that if you apply that to a group of cases, is there, let's say, a statistically significant difference between the group of cases that um, achieve the intervention and a group of cases comparable cases that did not achieve the intervention. And then the difference, let's say, is, is, is your mm-hmm. of the cause, which is the, the, the intervention program. But that's a, a highly um, a specific uh, um, a definition of, of causality, whereas in, in my view, the, the basic form of causality that explains how the world uh, evolves and, and and, um, and appears is, is process causality, is, is the way a dynamic system uh, uh, describe it, describes it. Namely, the next uh, state of the system is actually caused by, in some probably very complex way, by its preceding states and by additional influences or forces that might interfere in the process. And that's, uh, that's an entirely different uh, way um, for instance, if, if, if you discuss uh, intervention programs, because uh, with my students I, I have studied many intervention programs in schools and clinical intervention programs with children. Now the typical way, as I said, is to compare group effects and see the cause as some sort of probabilistic relation between outcome differences between two groups. But the actual cause of the change is the process. So you begin with uh, something then your class or teacher or students that you work with, they, they interact with you, creating a new, uh, let's say, uh, possibility for activity. Then you do something, then they do something. And it's this chain of events that will eventually, in the end, lead to something that is more or less often not uh, stable in terms of, of the results. But there's a there's an interesting uh, term uh, introduced by Stuart uh, Kaufman, one, one of the biologists uh, uh, who uh, has been working in, in complexity theory. He calls it adjacent possibilities. So, so a process is actually um, a series of events, and every event creates a new range of possibilities, which are not infinite, but which are very constrained. So the next step is what happens uh, within this uh, range of adjacent possibilities. And it means if, if you do studies, uh, intervention studies, uh, as I said, I, I've done many of such uh, studies with my students, is that you begin with the individual cases. So individual classes, for instance, that you work with. You, you try to map the change in the state space you have chosen over time. And then uh, the, the results on the level of the group are basically math- mathematical artifacts. You can do that, I mean, because if, if there's, um, if there's a, a person uh, like, I don't know, who's, uh, who, who wants to implement that in a school system in a country of, uh, or so on, uh, that sort of a person like a minister of education or, or um, 
somebody else at that level will be interested in group differences, and I understand that. But the group differences are not, uh, let's say, the, 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 the level of reality for the psychologist, the level of reality for the psychologist are the individual processes. And those must be the, the starting point of, the, of, of your research. And you have to follow the individual processes over the course of time. As, um, with, uh, 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 as frequently in terms of observations as possible, feasible uh, in, in, in the real world. And since we are focusing here on developmental psychology, uh, with that approach in mind, that understanding of causality, what is developmental change and how does it occur exactly? Uh, like um, may, maybe you, you can you can uh, elaborate on the question a little bit uh, more because I, I so 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 what you're asking is is how with uh, with that you apply to to to, to understanding development? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I think that uh, to to understand uh, development, you have to start with uh, with the processes. Uh, uh, so the, the 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 sequence of of connected conditionally connected uh, events over time uh, at the level of description where they actually occur. For instance, in a particular uh, child, um, and and by doing so, uh, and by by uh, trying to collect uh, more and more cases. Uh, you might uh, try to see whether there are um, certain uh, similarities between the cases or what the typical so forth. Mm -hmm. And that's the way, <coughs> sorry, that's the way you can apply it to development. And, uh, but um, an important uh, point for developmental studies is, is, is that you have to ask yourself what are the, 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 the dimensions of my state space, what are the possible states of, of a developing system, if I treat it as a developing system, right? Because I mean, yeah, we, we are all uh, changing uh, every second, every moment. But but most of those changes uh, do not fall under the umbrella of development. So you have to think about the sort of state space that you call a developmental state space, yeah. which means that you have to think about. Uh, progress, for instance, because development has this inherent connotation of. Um, um, possible uh, progress, for instance, in terms of the, the complexity of thinking or the complexity of acting or the difficulty of problems you can solve and so on. So each time you, you apply uh, this uh, um, uh, framework to development, you have to ask yourself a very fundamental question. Mm -hmm. And uh, do notions like stages of development and critical periods fit into your approach to development? Yes, I think very nicely so, because uh, if, if you have a complex dynamic system, which consists of many interacting elements, um, think for instance about the child as, as, as a body, so, so a body is an example of interacting components on all and on all different levels of organization organs uh, cells uh, clusters of cells uh, uh, the body uh, in in relation with other bodies and a cultural environment and and, and, and so on um, so in in um, let me see i i i, I Got uh, a bit confused here. So your 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 basic question was how can can you still repeat it? Uh, yeah, it, it was it was basically if uh, notions that people frequently use in developmental psychology like stages of oh, yeah, development yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. critical periods. Yeah, yeah, I, I I know where I got lost now. Um, the 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 point is that in a complex dynamic systems, um, in in a complex dynamic system. Uh, the, the interactions very often lead to, to states that are self-maintaining and self-reproducing. That, that's mm -hmm. one of the major uh, features of a complex dynamic system, um, which means uh, uh, temporal uh, states of, of, of stasis, which is never uh, static, 
but which is always the result of very complex processes of relationships and interactions. But the result of these interactions and processes, for instance, cognitive processes, interactions with other people uh, in development, are um, uh, of such a nature that they actually um, keep the system in, in, into one particular qualitative uh, pattern. So they are self-reproducing, self-maintaining. And that actually nicely corresponds with the stage. The stage is basically a pattern of temporarily self-reproducing forms of thinking, for instance, in Piaget or 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 whoever like or or the neo Piagetians uh, who uh, who are like uh, Kurt Fischer, who worked with uh, the notion of stages, but. Uh, the notion of stages uh, corresponds with what in dynamic systems uh, theory is called an attractor state. So the, the system is, is through the way all the components interact is, is as if it were attracted towards a state that will be self-reproducing for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. But every uh, system will that is self-maintaining will nevertheless, if it, if it is under, let's say, a constant uh, pressure of some influence, like experiences, they are coming in all the time, they are uh, activities, they are carried out all the time, it will inevitably uh, um, evolve towards a critical state, and a critical state is a state where relatively minor influence can change the structure of the system quite dramatically. So they are like uh, tipping points or, or critical uh, uh, states. And it means that what works uh, during these critical states, which are self-organized states of the system, will not work uh, at times when the system is, is more or less uh, um, um, very strongly self-maintaining. And that's, if, if you ask me, <coughs> basically what... Um, what a critical period is. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a period of self-organized criticality where relatively minor uh, events can change uh, uh, the course of, of the system. A minor event uh, uh, is, is defined uh, or becomes important if the system um, uh, attaches uh, uh, particular importance to it. For instance, if children become highly sensitive to, to what the environment is saying or doing, which are typical windows of opportunity, uh, for instance, in language development, that basically means that, that uh, you have a system which is on the verge of, of, of changing, that that is a result of the way the system self-organized towards uh, a critical state. And Self-organization uh, 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 self towards critical states has been studied in, uh, in physics, for instance. The, the, the typical example uh, is, 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 the, is uh, the, the, the sand pile uh, model of, of uh, Bach. Uh, but nowadays, um, um, uh, students of, of the brain, for instance, uh, have become to appreciate is the self-organized criticality that the brain is always self-organizing towards state of states of of criticality where it is uh, particularly sensitive to to all sorts of, of influences that's the way the the brain works so the brain works uh, by um, uh, defining uh, temporarily uh, temporary states of self-maintaining stability and will always move towards uh, states uh, of criticality where it is uh, very sensitive to information that will uh, change it. So it's, um, I think that, that complex dynamic systems uh, provides a natural and very general uh, framework for dealing with uh, issues like stages and the critical periods. But uh, through the point of view of uh, dynamical systems theory approach in psychology, one can study dynamics, for example, at the level of real-time change or dynamics that play out during an, organism, an organism's lifespan. Do yeah. you think that it is important to distinguish between them and do you focus more on one than the other or not? 
Yes, I, I think it is important to distinguish them because uh, they are um, uh, different but strongly interconnected dynamic systems in their own right. And why are they uh, um, uh, uh, dynamic systems in their own right? Because they are uh, uh, characterized by their um, uh, typical uh, um, uh, evolution rules. So, so what makes the system change on the level of an activity, for instance, is a different sort of, of evolution rule, temporal evolution rule in, in dynamic systems terms, than what makes the change the system change over the course of, of, of many years or over the course of the entire lifespan. So you're dealing with uh, different uh, um, uh, principles of change, uh, rules of change, and because they are different rules of change, you, you, you can make that uh, distinction. Now, the rules of change uh, that uh, govern, let's say, um, a single activity of a person are, are, are of course, uh, fuzzy, and there's always a, a fuzzy transition to, 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 to long, longer-term uh, timescale uh, principles of change, so that there is no clear-cut sort of barrier between one and the other. But still, it is possible to, to focus on, on one time scale as a form of organization uh, and on another time scale uh, as a form of organization. For instance, the, the, the time scale of, of immediate uh, experience and interaction governed by its own dynamics and the time scales of lifespan uh, development. But the two are, of course, um, uh, very strongly intertwined because what you are uh, doing on the level of uh, short-term in, uh, interaction and activity will, of course, uh, have an effect on long-term changes during your, your lifespan. But the long-term changes during your lifespan, which have changed your, your, your body, your brain and your environment, will, of course, have a direct causal effect on what you do in the form of, of an activity. So, so there is this, this, this mutual, uh, there is this coupling and there is this mutual or reciprocal causality between these two levels of description. But I agree that the levels of description, although they are defined by their own uh, rules of change, their own dynamic rules, they are, the boundaries are, are fuzzy, they, like, like, like everything else in psychology, actually. Mm -hmm. So earlier in our conversation, at a certain point when talking about what makes a for a philosophical difference between what you called a process ontology and uh, some of the more more uh, some of the more dominant perspectives in psychology that we still have today. Uh, you talked a little bit about what a process ontology is, but could you tell us a little bit more about uh, what it is and how it differs from a so-called substance ontology? Yeah, the, 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 the difficulty that I have to discuss uh, first with these ontologies is that they are uh, seldom, uh, if ever, uh, um, explicitly uh, defined uh, before um, uh, uh, people are starting to work on it. Mm. So, um, um, the, let's say in, 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 in mainstream psychology, which according uh, uh, to me and my co-author of, of uh, the, the latest book, uh, Naomi the Writer, um, is, is um, a substance ontology. Um, so, uh, ontologies are, 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 are always uh, enacted. So, so an ontology is is, is not a, an explicit uh, set of, of 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 let's say very explicit statements. I believe this. I believe that. Uh, but it's it's like an, an implicit set of things that become clear if 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 you if you reflect on on the way things uh, are done. Um, so so it means that ontologies are first of all enacted. And um, uh, and that makes a difference. Um, so the, the, the way, uh, let's say, mainstream um, uh, ontology enacts a substance, uh, ma mainstream psychology uh, enacts a substance ontology is by um, uh, 
uh, uh, measuring variables as if they were uh, uh, real entities independent of, of the processes in which they occur. For, and and then, then you read things like uh, uh, the relationship between uh, social class and intelligence uh, is this or that. Um, so social class is taken as some sort of, of entity or reality that can be abstracted out of all the different people uh, that you characterize with a social uh, class. And intelligence is also some sort of, of thing that can be abstracted out of uh, the, the activities, let's say, of intelligent uh, uh, acting that people uh, show. So um, mainstream uh, psychology uh, uh, enacts um, a substance ontology as, as if these psychological variables were some sort of, of, of uh, real entities that, that have an existence on their own and that can be related and, and so on and, and certain qualities of which might change, but that's typical of, uh, of the substance ontology. And um, in, in our book, um, uh, uh, Naomi, for instance, has, has uh, given a, a very detailed analysis of the way uh, substance uh, ontologies and process ontologies are uh, working out um, uh, in the case of uh, self-esteem, which is a very important uh, psychological variable and it's related to, to self-representation and identity and so forth. But uh, if you compare that with um, uh, uh, process ontology, um, which is also uh, enacted uh, uh, through the way you, you do things, uh, 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 process ontology means that uh, everything you study uh, begins with a study of, 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 of the temporal sequence of, of a time series of a real process uh, on the level at which it occurs, which is usually an individual and very often an individual in relation with other individuals. So you, you, you start with um, uh, meticulously studying uh, the change over time of whatever variable or descriptive term you're interested in. And um, in terms of generalization, uh, for instance, um, uh, generalization, which is like a, a major um, magical term in mainstream psychology uh, where it means that you 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 need to to collect a sufficient number of individuals to be uh, to arrive at generalizable statements that are true of the population which means that they are true of the of the entity or substance that you are studying in a, in a process ontology that's not your 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 major question your major question is first of all how does a process occur? How does another process occur? How does a third process occur? Can we see similarities? Can we see differences? And uh, so we, we can compare them, but there's no talk um, uh, uh, of uh, generalizability in terms of uh, um, which property is, is true of all the individual cases. If there is a property that is true for all the individual cases, then it's fine. But if there is no property that is true of all the individual cases, that's fine too. And that's the, the let's say, the state of affairs uh, in the world, which you, you have to accept. Yeah. And uh, there, there are lots of, of differences in, in the way, let's say, process ontologists uh, do psychological research in comparison to, to the way, uh, let's say, substance ontologists uh, do it. But if you if you talk with a, a psychologist and, and you say, well, what you are basically doing is substance ontology. And I, I've had these discussions. Uh, most of, of, of my my typical mainstream colleagues would, would say, oh, not at all. I'm studying processes, of course. And uh, me, a substance ontologist? No, of course not. Uh, I, 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 I do not agree with that. So. Once you start um, uh, discussing this on the on the philosophical level, then you end up with uh, with a mess basically. But if you look at the way they do things, it's quite clear that what they enact is uh, is um, is, uh, is, uh, is, a, is a substance uh, ontology. It's yeah. it's basically like uh, like in theater where an actor enacts a particular kind of person, like um, a villain or something like that. Uh, it's it's 
If, if you watch a um, um, uh, uh, theatrical play, you 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 see you, you you see that what the actor is doing is is impersonating a particular sort of character, but he or she is doing that by 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 the activities, and it's the same thing with the, with the research basically. So we are enacting ontologies. And so, if there are these big differences between a process ontology and a substance ontology that, as you say, translate in practice into different epistemological approaches to psychology, how do you look at the relationship between them? Because if we have them both in psychology, let's say that, for example, a process ontology would would be adopted in mainstream or in dominant uh, psychology. I mean, would there be room for collaboration between these two different ontologies, or do you think that they are just incompatible? Um, well, they, they, they are incompatible at the level of, of let's say, um, uh, uh, metaphysics or, or ontological uh, philosophical discussions, and it's either uh, this or that. Mm -hmm. uh, but in practice, they are they are compatible because every dynamic system uh, you 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 imagine um, uh, uh, works uh, uh, in a sense with something that looks like like an entity or a substance. For instance, if if you work with a two-dimensional state space, your dimensions are are a bit like 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 substances. So, so, so pragmatically speaking, uh, your your dynamic uh, point of view or your dynamic model is only possible if you take, for the time being, the level of substances or entities for granted. Um, and in that sense, there will always be a possibility of exchange. But, but if you're a, a processual theorist, you know that these uh, uh, substances, these entities, are basically like loans taken on the, on, the, on the processual nature of every substance. But for practical and pragmatic reasons, uh, you, can, you can treat some aspects of your model in the classical way as variables, as, as real things, quote, and then uh, the, the, the change of them over time as the processual part. But a processual theorist always uh, knows that this is like a temporary um, um, uh, point of view because if, if you zoom in uh, onto, um, onto your elements, uh, you, you see that they too are processes and it's basically processes all the way down and all the way up. But, uh, but um, you don't have to, to work all the time as if it's processes all the way down and all the way up because you basically take for simplicity alone on, on let's say, the, the processual nature by treating them as substances, as real things for the time being. Uh, but um, in practice, you, you see that um, there are incompatibilities in the sense that uh, people who try to publish uh, something, uh, research that is um, uh, based on, on, um, on a processual point of view, uh, often uh, uh, the, the, these publications are often rejected uh, on the grounds of the fact that they are not generalizable, and, and you know, and mm -hmm. they, they, the, the 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 sample is not big enough, and, and and so on. So there are practical incompatibilities, but uh, theoretically they are um, uh, reconcilable uh, because you, you can you can collect many individual cases and then start generalizing in the traditional sense of the word. So there is uh, the possibility of, of working together uh, as long as you don't try to, to uh, transform it into, uh, into, um, into some sort of metaphysical discussion about real essential uh, differences. Then you end up in a mess, as I said. And, and it's, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, And so we've been talking about dynamical systems theory but in cognitive science more generally, there's this approach of 4E cognition, that is, inactive, embodied, uh, embedded and extended cognition. Yeah. In what ways does a process approach relate to that? 
I, I think that the, this uh, this uh, so-called 4E approach is uh, is like a specification of a, of a, of the general dynamic a complex dynamic system uh, a view uh, to um, to 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 the complex dynamics of 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 of, of persons of organisms of of of, of culturally embedded uh, persons and so on. So if if you translate a very general mathematical uh, framework of dynamic systems to let's say the 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 reality of, of individual uh, human beings and of, and of social relationships then you 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 make a choice for for um, for the, the viewpoint of embodiment mm -hmm. um, because then you understand that you cannot treat let's say cognition as something that is independent some some independent substance that you can study that can um, appear in a computer or in a person or or whatever or somebody from mars or i don't know um, and you understand that all these things uh, all these mental things are fundamentally embodied which means that you understand that they are Entangled and and, and uh, intertwined in the fact that all this takes place um, uh, through a body, through an organism, uh, in a in a concrete uh, context. And the same is true uh, for the for the other is um, uh, uh, it's it's always embedded in a context. You, you can because they uh, human uh, uh, persons are open systems. So what they are doing is, is always, the, the, the cause is always um, taking place in interaction with the context. Um, in a, it's, 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 it's always uh, um, uh, enacted. So there, there's, there's uh, for instance, in, in cognitive science, there, there is no level of, of something mental that has an, an, a reality out of itself. Uh, it's, the mental is basically um, that what is enacted in a, in a in a particular form, and its activity that is the the, the essential uh, uh, level of of, um, of uh, analysis, uh, so to speak. So uh, I think that uh, this this four E approach is is yeah, the natural uh, sort of of translation of, of abstract dynamic complex dynamic systems theory. Uh, to the level of, of, of human cognition, human activity, human interaction, and so, and so on. So, if, in the last part of this interview, I would like to get into, uh, in a way to illustrate all we've been talking about, into two of uh, the aspects of human psychology that you've studied yourself. So, starting with uh, language development, could you tell us about how you view and approach language development through this dynamic systems theory perspective and how it differs from some other more dominant approaches in, for example, linguistics like the one coming from Noam Chomsky? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, language development was my starting point because what's, because it's uh, it was an easy uh, starting point in a sense, and it was also a natural starting point because I, for my dissertation uh, way back in 1975, I I studied the language development of my own son, which, which was um, very popular at that time. So you had to to, to choose one um, particular quote subject. And um, and uh, actually um, write down in those times uh, everything the child was uh, saying. It's still done, but the interesting thing is that uh, the the um, the logic uh, underlying that method was actually a Chomskyan uh, logic. So uh, the idea that uh, the, the 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 principles of language development were universal, mm -hmm. and by studying individuals. If they are uh, universal, you don't have to study, let's say, 500 uh, babies or, or young children. You can take one, and right. and if you take one, you you will see that it nicely follows the, the predictions of, of universal grammar, the way it it, it uh, evolves over time. Mm -hmm. But the result of these studies was that um, it turned out that there were um, incredible uh, individual differences. Um, that uh, this this very abstract level of universal grammar and, and Chomsky and the linguistics was 
actually um, uh, a, a sort of uh, a denying the complexity and reality of, of the real processes, which were much more interesting than than so-called universal um, uh, uh, progressions. Mm -hmm. The universal uh, progressions uh, were usually uh, almost uh, trivial. Of course, I mean, you'll never see that children start with full sentences and then develop a stage in which they speak in one-word sentences and then develop a stage in which they speak uh, with, with um, 24 words. I mean, that's, that's, there's a trivial um, a sequence uh, there. It, it, it starts in a very simple way and it becomes more complex. But um, the way in which that uh, process occurs over time in individual children turned out to be very uh, complex, very individual, um, uh, uh, with, with lots of interesting connections with, um, with the way children perceive the, the, their world, uh, with the way they interact and with other people. Um, and and this this the, the study uh, I did uh, sort of made me sensitive to uh, to the fact that that these individual uh, processes uh, must be your starting point and must be your starting point without sort of predefined uh, ideas um, about uh, um, intrinsic underlying abstract universalities which were predicted by for instance universal grammar and um, you, you you have to look at it uh, as, a, as, a, as a as a constructive process and and so forth and the the, the other uh, thing was that uh, language development is is, um, is a nice um, uh, um, starting point because it's 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 to to observe um, uh, let's say, or to create a state space of language development. You simply listen to what the child is saying and what you are saying, and then you can write it down. So the, the, it, it's easily in, interpretable in terms of, of, of language. So there, there were pragmatic reasons uh, for me to, to, to start uh, there. And then um, an, another difference uh, is uh, is the way you you you, you treated uh, these these basic uh, categories of language uh, like like nouns and, and prepositions and verbs and so on instead of, of looking uh, at them as as if they were uh, real entities where you had to ask yourself okay the child is saying drink but is this a verb or is this a noun well and then you had lists of argument no in, in fact it's a verb and then you had lists of arguments. No, actually, it's it's a noun because these categories of verb and noun were taken as as real real entities. It's either or, but from a, a, a complex dynamic systems point of view, they, they are basically fluent, and they start uh, um, uh, out of a, of a, of an enacted uh, system where where they are they are neither or they are both. And, and then they, they sort of gradually differentiate into something you can call a verb and something you can call a noun. And in some cases, you simply never know what, what they are, but that's the reality of language development. So it was a, a much more fluent and, and dynamic, so changing um, uh, um, uh, way of uh, approaching uh, language uh, development. So uh, uh, away from the from from universal uh, entities and then universal uh, principles. Actually, the the only universal principle uh, there was that what you were observing was a complex dynamic system, which was self-organizing, which was self-maintaining for a time, which was moving towards uh, critical uh, instabilities, uh, towards sensitivities for what was coming in, and so on. Mm -hmm. So getting into our last topic then, and the second example I was mentioning, uh, theory of mind uh, development. So yeah. how do you approach it? And uh, in this particular case, perhaps to get into some of the other, uh, I mean, concepts that are present yeah. in dynamical systems theory. Yeah. Could you tell us about what non-linearities are and how they apply specifically to the study of theory of mind development? Yeah, yeah. 
actually uh, what brought me to the study of mind development was uh, was um, the interest of a PhD student uh, who uh, who wanted to to study that in a clinical context and and who who wanted to uh, to um, to 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 construct a, a test for a theory of mind. Now, actually, I, I never believed in theory of mind as uh, as some sort of internal structure or representation in children or persons. For me, theory of mind has always been um, um, uh, qualities of processes of, in, of interactions. And um, so I, I became intrigued in this idea of of, uh, of a test because I, I see a test as nothing more than a very specific uh, context in, in which you ask particular sorts of activities from children or, or from, uh, um, from adults. And uh, so this, this student, of, um, we are still collaborating of mine and, and me, we were actually working from, from different ontologies. For me, it was deeply processual. For her, it was, I, I hope I, I don't uh, misrepresent her, her thoughts about this, but for her, her, it was much more like like studying um, uh, realities in the sense of uh, an internal theory of mind that you measured by means of of the test. Uh, but for for me, it was also an occasion to see whether um, you 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 could find um, uh, non-monotonic changes, also on the group level, because on on the individual level, if you use a test, then of course uh, there there's a lot of processes that are going on like the children learning to predict the test, uh, the children learning um, what, uh, what sort of things they should do in the test and, and so on, which is also very interesting, but it, it's not what tests are supposed to do. But so what, what we uh, found are, are were very unexpected um, uh, non-monotonous, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Anyway, it was non-monotonous. Uh, what happened in terms of, of uh, average scores over the over uh, the ages, mm -hmm. and uh, for me, it was an interesting illustration of the fact that uh, the idea that the development also on the group level uh, is is like a, a monotonous um, uh, uh, increase. Uh, is in fact not uh, true. There, there are interesting non-linearities uh, that we also found uh, uh, confirmed with um, with a rich uh, uh, data set from from uh, Italy. But there were differences in in in, in age and, and so on. But to me, um, uh, theory of mind is is an embodied, uh, enacted uh, sort of thing, and not um, some sort of structure or or theory of the mind of, of children. And a test uh, for me is a, is a specific context in which you can ask for specific activities, but it is not literally a measurement in the in the in the original sense of something internal. So the the test results are by definition variable, and the variability is is intrinsic to to the way children or or people take tests. And it's not something that is a result of external influences, uh, like in classical uh, true score theory. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, I would imagine that it is not also that idea that many psychologists have that theory of mind is a sort of innate thing that inevitably develops in the same way across uh, all children and humans. Right. Yeah, well, the, if, 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 you, if you start with the substance ontology, you, you, you can speak about innate uh, things in the sense that this particular substance or entity is, is, is given at birth, is genetically determined and, and it's there. And because it's there, it unfolds li like, a, like a present uh, wrapped into, in, in, into paper. You, you basically unfold the paper and there, there is a present, yeah. uh, the present the present. Uh, so that's that's what what uh, substance uh, ontology implies. It can be innate and then it must unfold in, in a universal way. But but the concept of innateness uh, from um, from a, a, a process point of view, I mean also a processual theorist can speak about innate 
uh, 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 properties like language, for instance. I mean, it's it's quite clear that uh, it is innate in the sense that it's species uh, specific. I mean, basically, as far as we know, it's it's, it's only human beings yes. with a particular genetic makeup and so on. So in that sense, the possibility of emergence is innate. But in that same sense, um, uh, quantum physics is also an innate property because there is no other species that is, has developed theories of quantum physics than human beings. So it must in some sort be given uh, um, in, 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 in our uh, innate uh, constellation. But that's, of course, an, an, an entirely different point of view than the innateness point of view that you find in the in the classical substance oriented uh, because this this is an, an open form of innateness um, uh, and so so uh, whatever will develop in the human species is is yet another let's say uh, 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 a possible realization of what is intrinsically innate quote in in, in the human species but it's it's not there at the beginning i mean it's it's completely open but it's it's constrained in, in a sense. So so what so so constraints of development are are in that sense innate givens. Yeah, we will probably never uh, be able to to fly the way birds uh, fly. That's that's I think uh, completely well. Not if you think about evolution uh, over millions and millions of years. But but if you think about uh, yeah a couple of thousand years, our body will not allowed to fly like birds but we fly in our machines so so those are all quote innate uh, possibilities of, of the human condition right so uh, paul uh, just before we go would you like to tell people where they can find your work on the internet well, actually, the best source, although I need to uh, to to actualize it, which I will probably do uh, given this interview. But if, if they, they look at my uh, uh, website, they they'll um, uh, find uh, uh, my publications. But I have to update the last one or two years uh, with uh, references, and, and some in some cases they can actually download it, and uh, they can. You can actually also read our latest uh, uh, book, for instance, uh, because we made the the, uh, the, the chapters, uh, the manuscript chapters, available on ResearchGate. Uh, uh, that's that's I think the best source of of, uh, of uh, obtaining of, or getting access to uh, to my work. Uh, and in this case, you're referring to the book Toward a Process Approach yes. in Psychology yes. Stepping into yes. Heraclitus's River. Right. Yes, yeah. For me, that was like uh, like uh, like uh, writing that book together with my former PhD uh, student uh, was was like uh, the um, um, like a culmination of, of of many things that I've been thinking about uh, over the last uh, uh, decades, actually uh, years. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. and that's also a good uh, source. Uh, some people uh, find it very illuminating; others find it uh, quite difficult. It depends on what you're looking for, of course. Uh, but uh, that's that's uh, I think also a good source. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I'm also leaving a link to it in the description box of this interview also because actually a few of the questions we've explored there are also tackled in the book. Yes. So I yeah, think it's yes. a great resource to link yeah, in the description great, uh, here. Detail actually. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so uh, I'm leaving all of that in the description of the video. And Paul, thank you again so much for taking the time to come on the show. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Uh, well, it has been a real pleasure to talk to you. I, I find your questions extremely uh, uh, well informed and uh, and really uh, uh, going through the to, to the to the let's say the the, the core of, of of my ideas. Yeah, thank you for that and thank you for all the efforts. Yes. Okay, yeah. so let me. Yeah, thank you for that and thank you for all the efforts. Yes. Hi guys, thank you for watching this interview until the end. If you like what I'm doing, please do not forget to share, like, subscribe, comment 
And to keep the channel sustainable, please consider supporting it on Patreon or PayPal. You can find the links in the description box of the interview. This show is brought to you by Enlights Learning and Development Done Differently. Check their website at enlights.com. I would also like to give a huge thank you to my main patrons and PayPal supporters, Perga Larson, Jerry Mueller, Hans Frederick Sunda, Bernardo Seixas, Olaf, Alex, Adam Kessel, Matthew Wintingberg, Arno Wolf, Tim Hollis, Eric Alenia, John Connors, Philip Force Connolly, Dan Demetrio, Robert Windegger, Rui Nassio, Zup, Marco Neves, Colin Holbrook, Simon Columbus, Phil Kavanagh, Michael Stormir, Samuel Andreev, Francis Ford, Tiago Nunes, Fergal Cusson, Halle Herzog, Nuno Machado, Jonathan Leibrandt, John Linear, Stanton T, Samuel Correa, Eric Hines, Mark Smith, João Oeira, Tom Hummel, Sardos France, David Sloan Wilson, Yassila Dez Araújo, Romain Roach, Diego Londonio Correa, Yannick Puntera, Dana Rusmani, Charlotte Bliss, Nicole Barbaro, Adam Hunt, Pavel Ostazewski, Nelek Bach, Guy Madison, Gary G. Elman, Sam Afzal, Adrian Yegu, Paul Tolentino, João Barbosa, Julian Price, Edward Hall, Edin Bronner, Douglas Fry, Franca Bortolotti, Gabriel Pons Cortez, Ursula Litzke, Scott, Zachary Fish, Tim Duffy, Sunny Smith, John Wisman, Daniel Friedman, William Buckner, Paul George Arnaud, Luke Lowacki, Jorge Stéphanus, Grisio Williamson, Pip, Peter Wallazin, David Williams, Diogo Costa, Anton Eriksson, Charles Moray, Alex Shaw, Amari Martinez, Coralie Chevalier, Bangalore Atheist, Larry D. Lee Jr., Old Erringbun, Sterry, Michael Bailey, Dan Sperber, Robert Grassi, Igor N., Jeff McMahon, Jake Zool, Bar Barnabas Radix, Mark Campbell, Thomas Dobner, Luke Neeson, Chris Story, Kimberly Johnson, Benjamin Galbert, Jessica Nowicki, Linda Brandon, Nicholas Carlson, Ismael Benzliman, George Coriatis, Valentin Steinman, Per Crowley, Kate Von Goller, Alexander Hubbard, Liam Dunaway, B.R., Masood Ali Mohammadi, Perpendicular, and Jonas Hurtner. A special thanks to my producers, Isar Webjim, Frank Lucas Tafinia, Tom Vanegden, Bernard Yugni, Curtis Dixon, Benedict Mueller, Thomas Trumbull, Catherine and Patrick Tobin, Giancarlo Montenegro, Alni Cortiz, and Nick Golden. And to my executive producers, Matthew Lavender, Sergio Codrian, and Bogdan Canivets. Thank you for all.